greatest victory ever won looked like an utter defeat. I'm speaking in reference to Jesus' death on the cross. And here we see the the paradox of the cross. Jesus' body broken, battered, His blood shed, a crown of thorns upon His brow, His back laid open with a cat and nine tails, His hands and feet, nailed to a cruel Roman cross, hanging there for six hours. He looked defeated. The scene was bleak. And yet, at the cross, we see that the greatest victory that's ever been won was won on that day. Now I want you to see this in Luke chapter 23. So turn there with me. Luke chapter 23. We are finishing this morning our sermon series, Seven Sayings from the Cross. The Gospels record that Jesus made seven statements hanging on the cross. and We've been looking at them one by one, week by week, leading up to uh, the celebration of the resurrection, which will take place Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, but this morning we'll be in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and we're going to read together verse 46. Now I'd like to ask you this morning, if you are physically able, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. The Bible is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's Word is alive, amen? And we expect Him to speak to us with power today and to transform our lives. Look there with me, Luke chapter 23, verse 46. The Bible says, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, He breathed His Last. Let's pray together this morning. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are majestic and sovereign and glorious and powerful and wise and gracious and kind and patient and loving. What a privilege to be in your presence. What a privilege to know you in a personal way. So that we can call you Father. Lord, what a privilege to sing these songs of worship to the living God. Lord, to bear witness to one another the truths of of who you are and what you have done for us. And Lord, I pray that you would, would move in our midst today. Lord, by your Spirit, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see the truths of Scripture, and that we might have the wherewithal to take those truths and apply them to our lives. God, I pray for life transformation today. Would you just, would you just manifest your presence in a very tangible way, Lord, that we might leave today knowing we have met with the living God. Help us today to, to lift up the matchless name of Jesus. To leave with a hallelujah on our hearts. Lord, to leave pondering and living in that great statement. Worthy is 
the Lamb. So Lord, would you help me today by your Spirit? Would you anoint the listeners today? And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. Would you establish today, Lord, my steps in your word? And we ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. On the day that we call Good Friday, we are remembering Jesus' death on Passover Friday in the first century. And the Bible records that Jesus was nailed to the cross at... Nine in the morning. And for the first three hours, he hung on that cross and he made three statements according to the gospel writers. The first statement he made is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, when he said as he was being crucified, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. An amazing statement of forgiveness. And in that statement we see revealed the heart of a Savior. The second statement he made is the statement of salvation in Luke 23, 43, when he said to the thief on the cross who believed in him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wonderful promise from God to that dying thief who believed in him. The third saying is the statement of compassion as Jesus looks to his disciple whom he dearly loved, John, and his mother, Mary, And he says to Mary, woman, behold your son. And he says to John, behold your mother. In other words, he's making sure his mother is cared for. Because he knew he would no longer be upon the earth after his death and resurrection and ascension to heaven. And then, after those three statements, the Bible records at noon, a great supernatural darkness covered the land. And this darkness was symbolic of the terrible realities of the cross. What was happening on the cross in those hours as darkness covered the sky? R. Kent Hughes writes, Wave after wave of our sin was poured over Christ's sinless soul. Again and again during those three hours, his soul recoiled and convulsed as all our lies, infidelity, hatreds, jealousies, murders, and pride were poured upon His purity. That's what was happening on the cross. Jesus Christ took our sin and the wrath of God that you and I deserve was being poured out upon Jesus who was taking our punishment in our place. And then, right near the end, close to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus Christ made a fourth saying, saying of separation when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Found in Mark 15, verse 34. As he felt the forsakenness of being, becoming our sin and, and dying in our place. And then, right near the end, he made the fifth saying, a statement of suffering, when he said, I am thirsty. In John 19, verse 28, he was dying for our sins. He was suffering physical thirst and dehydration. He was suffering for you and for me. And I believe he wanted something to drink so he could make the last two statements audible. Because after he said, I thirst, he said in John 19, 30, a statement of victory, it is finished. Which leads us to this final statement that he made before he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A statement of death. Now, 
as we think about this last statement, this last saying from the cross, we want to think about Jesus' death because this, this statement preceded immediately his final breath. And I believe if we look carefully, we will see three thoughts concerning Jesus' death, which are instructive and inspiring and compelling and life-changing. Let me give you three thoughts about Jesus' death that stems from this last statement on the cross. First of all, Jesus' death was exemplary. Jesus' death was exemplary. Look what it says there in verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. I believe that in this passage, Jesus is showing us, this is not all that's happening, but he he is showing us in this moment how God's children should face death. We can learn much by, by studying how Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God's Son, how he faced death. And we can learn some things as to how we, as God's children, as his sons and daughters, how we should face the reality of our mortality. If you look, you can see that Jesus faces death with faith. With faith. He says, their father into your hands, I commit my spirit, which is a a quotation from Psalm 31. So turn with me to Psalm 31. I want to show you a couple things from that psalm. It has been just amazing to see, hasn't it, how many of these statements from the cross were tied into Old Testament passages. Jesus had a, a, a depth of knowledge of God's Word that he, he leaned upon, a reservoir that he drew from as he was facing the agony of the crucifixion. And these statements that, are, that find their, their, their parallel or their genesis in the Old Testament are powerful. Look what he says in... Psalm 31, verse 3. This is a, a person in suffering, which, which foreshadows Jesus Christ in his suffering. For you are my rock and my fortress, talking to God. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden from me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You've redeemed me, O Lord, Faithful God. And so this this phrase, into your hands I commit my spirit, is found in a larger passage uh, that speaks of the the faithful God whom we can trust. And the psalmist here is saying, God, I'm in a difficult circumstance. I am suffering, but I trust you. You are a faithful God. And Jesus grasps hold of that statement. And as he faces his final breath, as he faces death on the cross, he uses these words to exemplify his faith. God, you are faithful. You are my rock. You are my refuge. I can trust you. And then fast forward to verses 14 and 15 of chapter 31, where the Bible records, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, You are my God. Watch this. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my 
persecutors. And so again, this cry of, of trust in God. I trust you. My, my times, my beginning, my ending is in your hands. And I can trust you. And so Jesus, in quoting these words from this psalm, exemplifies facing death with faith. Knowing that if you're a child of God, you can trust God even at the moment of your death. Because He's your rock and He's your refuge. And as a child of God, He's your rock and your refuge in this life. Listen, and He does not stop being your rock and refuge when you die. And so you can face the reality of death with faith. But also, you can face the reality of death with hope. Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In other words, I'm about to physically die, but my spirit lives on. My body will be taken down from this cross, and it will go into a tomb, but my spirit will be in your hands. And so Jesus here is speaking with great hope. It's as if Jesus is saying, this is not the end. My body is dying. My spirit will live on in your presence. And isn't that true of every believer in Jesus Christ? Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, to be, listen, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So at the moment you face death as a child of God, your spirit goes directly into the presence of God even though your body is still here on this earth. And so we have hope, don't we? That death is not the end. That death does not have the final say. As a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I don't have to fear death because, fear, because death is not the end. Death is a transition from the temporal into the eternal. Death is when my faith becomes sight. And so Jesus showed us how to face death with, with faith and with hope. There's an old song that I love titled, The Old Rugged Cross Made the Difference. And there's a line in that song, a verse where it says, There's a room filled with sad, ashen faces. Without hope, death has wrapped them in gloom. But at the side of a saint, there's rejoicing. For life can't be sealed in a tomb. I like that. We can face death as children of God with faith and with hope because our sins have been forgiven. There's no barrier between us and God. Jesus Christ has defeated the grave. So when we die, we go into the presence of our God. We had a church member recently that lost a loved one. And she was talking to me about her wishes for the funeral. Here's what she said. She said, I want the funeral to be a celebration. How can someone say that? Was she hurting? Yes. Was she grieving? Yes. Was it hard on the family? Absolutely. They missed their loved one, and yet she could say, I want the service to be a celebration. Why? Because Christians don't face death like everyone else. We grieve, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, but we do not grieve without hope. 
And so even though we grieve and our hearts are heavy and we miss our loved ones, we can celebrate when a child of God dies because we know that death was not the end. We know that they are in the presence of God himself. Jesus shows us on the cross how to face death in these words. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But there's a second thing we see about Jesus' death. Not only was Jesus' death exemplary, but Jesus' death was voluntary. Jesus' death was voluntary. It says there, back in Luke 23, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then it says, he breathed his last. Now that that phrase, he breathed his last, is, is, a, is a word in the Greek which is interesting. It's the word except nusen, which means, which means he, he breathed one final time and then expired. It's not the normal word that's used to speak of someone dying. As a matter of fact, none of the gospel writers simply say, Jesus died. They said it in different ways. For example, uh, Matthew and uh, uh, John record that he that he he gave up or he yielded up his spirit. He he did not just die, but he was in control at that moment. He breathed his last and he was gone. He he yielded up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. What do we learn from that? We learn that Jesus' life was not taken from him. He laid it down. Jesus' life was not taken from him, he laid it down. Over in John 10, when Jesus is speaking of being the good shepherd, Jesus says, no man takes my life from me. Listen, he said, I lay it down of my own initiative. Jesus wanted us to understand that the cross was his obedient choice. Jesus was no accidental savior. Jesus was not a victim of circumstances beyond his control. Jesus Christ chose the cross. Jesus Christ embraced the cross. Jesus Christ laid down his life. He died on his terms. A.W. Pink writes, With wicked hands they crucified him, but now all is over. Man has done his worst. The cross has been endured. The appointed work is finished. Listen, voluntarily had the Savior delivered himself into the hands of sinners. And now, voluntarily, he delivers his spirit into the hands of the Father. What a blessed contrast. Never again will he be in the hands of men. Never again will he be at the mercy of the wicked. Never again will he suffer shame. Into the hands of the Father he commits himself. And the Father now looks after his interests. In other words, Jesus Christ chose the moment of his death. He did not not have his life taken from him. He laid it down. Now what does that mean? Well, first of all, this speaks of his lordship. Speaks of his lordship. You know, there's a Christmas carol we sing with a line that says, Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Well, I've got some news for you this morning. Not only was Jesus Christ Lord at his birth, Jesus Christ was Lord at his death. 
He chose the moment he was going to die. He chose to say, Father, now it's time. Into your hands I commend my spirit. The work has been done. The work has been accomplished. The price has been paid. It is finished. Now it's time to die. He was Lord at his death. He was in complete control on the cross. As a matter of fact, do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest him, betrayed by the kiss of his disciple Judas, and Peter uh, pulled out his sword and cut off the, the high priest's servant ear, and Jesus heals the man's ear, and he says, Peter, put away your sword. Don't you understand, I could call 12 legions of angels, and they would take me away from all of this? I don't have to go through this. I don't have to allow these, these people, these, these mere mortals to arrest me and betray me and, and beat me and crucify me and mock me and malign me. I'm in control here, Peter. But I'm choosing the Via Della Rosa. I'm choosing the way of suffering. I'm choosing the scourging. I'm choosing the crown of thorns. I'm choosing the nails in my hands, and the nails in my feet. Jesus Christ was Lord at his death. He chose the time of his death. He laid down his life of his own initiative. This speaks of his lordship, but listen, don't miss this. It also speaks of his love. Because the obvious question is is this. Why in the world would Jesus choose all of that? Why would he choose the beatings and... And, and the soldier spitting in his face and hitting him with fists. Why would he choose to hang at, at Golgotha for six hours? Why would he choose to die? And the answer is clear. He chose to encounter the cross so that you and I could be saved. He chose... Suffering so we could experience salvation. He chose forsakenness so we could experience forgiveness. This speaks of his love. He laid down his life for you. As a matter of fact, 1 John 3 says it like this. Greater love hath no one than this. Then he lays down his life for his brother. And Jesus Christ showed the greatest kind of love for you and for me when he voluntarily, of his own volition, went to the cross and laid down his life. You see, if you're here this morning and you wonder, does God really love me? All you got to do is look to the cross. Because the cross declares over your broken life and the cross declares over my broken life that we are loved. Salvation is available because Jesus chose death. And so Jesus' death was was voluntary. It speaks of his lordship. He was in control and it speaks of his love. A few years ago, I read uh, one of the books from the Chronicles of Narnia to my boys, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and loved that book. It's a wonderful, um, wonderful book for, for children and adults alike. 
and and I, I just sitting there, night after night, reading this story. And and if you've ever read, it's a it's a book about a uh, a fantasy world named Narnia. But there are some parallels with God's redemptive story. And and I believe C.S. Lewis wrote it to to highlight some of the the wonderful aspects of God's word. And 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 you read the story, and the the hero of the story is a lion who's the king of Narnia named Aslan. And and you just you just love this lion. You can't wait to see him and hear him speak in the story. But there's a point when one of the kids in Narnia is a traitor to the kingdom and he must suffer the punishment. And this lion, this great lion, Aslan, takes his punishment for him. And I remember reading it and I said to my boys, I said, what does this remind you of? And without hesitation, Jesus died on the cross for us. Every picture of sacrifice, every picture of, of, of that kind of unconditional love we see in literature and in song and in human history is a faint reflection of the love Jesus showed for us when He laid down His life. Listen to me. You can leave this room today rejecting Christ, but you cannot leave this room today ignorant of His love. He died for your sins. And so we see in this this statement that Jesus' death was exemplary and and Jesus' death was voluntary. But, But third and last, I want you to see that Jesus' death was necessary. It says there that He said, Father, into your hands I Commit my spirit. And then it says, after having said this, he breathed his last. In other words, he died. He made the statement and he suffered physical death on the cross. He died at Calvary. And it's interesting to note the different observations of the gospel writers. For example, over in John 19, John records that the Roman soldiers made sure he was dead. It was customary in that day and time in the first century for soldiers to break the legs of those being crucified near the end of the day so they would no longer be able to push themselves up to breathe and they would suffocate quickly and die. And so when they came to Jesus Christ, instead of breaking his legs, the Roman soldier looked and he looked dead. And just to make sure, he got a spear and he pierced his side and blood and water came out of his side. And his legs were not broken, which, by the way, fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy that said not one of his bones would be broken. But the interesting thing about that is this. The Roman soldiers made sure he was dead. And in John 19, John is there, and and John says, I I bear, bear witness, I was right there. I saw that he died. His followers closely observed his death. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea received permission from Pilate to take his body off the cross, and, and they wrapped it in a new, uh, new shroud, and they, they prepared his body for burial and put him in Joseph's tomb. They were right there, eyewitnesses, closely associated with the dead body of Jesus. They knew that he had died. Now here's the question. Why is it important that Jesus actually died on the cross? He couldn't have just gone and suffered for a while and 
that would have been enough? Why did he have to die on the cross? Well, if you look there in your notes, first of all, because the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says, and he had to die to take our punishment. For God's justice to be served, we deserve death, and so Jesus, to be our Savior, had to experience death in our place. It was not, not enough just to, just to suffer, just to go through some of the cross and suffering. He had to die to pay the ultimate, final penalty that you and I deserve. The wages of sin is death. I remember I was nine years old, and my pastor came to my house one day, and we were sitting at my dining room table, and he began to walk me through the Romans road. And I don't remember before that ever learning Romans 6.23, but when he opened up his Bible and read Romans 6.23 to me, it was as if the Holy Spirit of God gripped my heart. He did. He gripped my heart because I read the wages of sin is death, and I knew at that moment that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and I was so glad for the remainder of the verse that says, but... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus Christ had to die to take our ultimate punishment. We deserve death. Jesus died. That's why it's important that he died on the cross. But it's also important that he died because his death gives us life. Look in Romans 5 with me very quickly. I'm going to show you just a a powerful passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Now, I just want to read these five verses without, without, I'm going to try to read them without commentary, okay? I'm just going to read them because they're powerful. Look what it says in Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ, what? Died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his what? His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ, here it is, died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So here's what he's saying. Jesus Christ chose to die for sinners as wicked as we are. Jesus, motivated and compelled by his great love for us, went to the cross and died. And because of his death, it says there in verse 10, we are reconciled to God. Because of his death, we have life. So he had to die to give us this life, to reconcile us, to give us eternal life and abundant life. His death gives us life. But third, why did he have to die? Because his death set the stage for the glorious resurrection. The Bible records that Jesus Christ was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And... On Saturday, he was laying in that tomb dead. And early on Sunday morning, everything changed. And for Jesus Christ to be raised from the dead, which gives us ultimate victory over death itself, he had to die. So you have to, you have to die to be resurrected, right? You can't be, you know, really, really hurt to be resurrected. You have to die to be resurrected. So he died on the cross so he could be 
resurrected. Now here's why that's important. There's some liberal scholars out there that teach the swoon theory, theory that Jesus wasn't really dead, that uh, he was kind of, you know, it says in Princess Bride, he was mostly dead. He, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was really... He was really weak and in a really uh, pitiful condition, but he wasn't really dead. And he, and he went into the tomb and, and he kind of uh, felt some rejuvenation. He got his strength back and he was somehow able to open the tomb door, even though he'd been hung on a cross for six hours on Friday and beaten and scourged and bloodied and battered. He was able to open the door and appear to his disciples and make them think he was risen from the dead. That's silly, isn't it? Jesus Christ did not swoon, he died. And he had to die for your sins and my sins because the wages of sin is death. And he had to die to be resurrected. Because the Bible says if he were not resurrected, we're in trouble. We're still in our sins. He had to be risen from or raised from the dead. And here's the good news. Look at this in your notes. The good news is that Jesus defeated sin, Satan, and death by his death and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand by, which you were being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So the gospel is this. Jesus Christ defeated sin and Satan and death by dying on the cross, being buried, and then being raised from the dead. That's the good news. That's the the message that hasn't changed in in 2,000 years. It's the only message that can save the soul. It's the only message that can give hope to humanity. It's the only message that can heal a broken, immoral culture. It's the only message that can transform a nation. It's the only message that can give you eternal and abundant life. He died. And this set the stage for His glorious resurrection. Over in John chapter 12, Jesus shares an illustration. He's talking to his disciples. And he says to them, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And by this, he was saying, listen, I'm going to die, but understand, my death is going to bear glorious fruit. I must die. And he did die. And that means everything for us in this room. And so here's the point. Wait, what's the point of all of this? What's the point of Jesus on the cross saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Here it is. Jesus laid down his life for us, anticipating a glorious, victorious resurrection. Hallelujah, what a Savior. That's what we can glean from that statement. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So Jesus made that statement. And he breathed his last. And I talked about it a little bit, but you might say, well, tell me what happened next. We'll come back next week. We'll talk about the details of what happened next. I'll give you a hint. It's really good. It'll change your life. 